you know, at one stage in my my journey, I was doing psychic readings and really developed that skill of mediumship to the point where I could control it, where it wasn't just kind of, you know, something that kind of happened. It was more, you know, I learned what it was and how to kind of more use it on demand and things like that. So really when I was in Whistler, it of course was all happening before that, but I think the more I started to inquire into my own being, like what's going on with me, how do I really feel? And the more I got aware about that and conscious of that and conscious of a lot of my conditioning and my journey in life, I just, it kind of just got more and more heightened. When was the last time you felt an absolute knowing in your gut about something, even if it didn't quite make sense? Or maybe just a quiet nudge that you should or shouldn't do a certain thing. Those moments, the loud and quiet pulls that we hear or feel, is our intuition. And if you believe in it or not, there's no doubting we've all had a moment of knowing beyond reason. Our intuition is our northern star in our life. So it tells us what we want, not what the conditioning by our family or society tells us we should want. And the biggest blocks to hearing our intuition are actually the very blocks that stop us from feeling clarity, direction, and connection in our lives. And after the giant universal curveball that was 2020, where so many of us were pushed and challenged to make changes in our lives, changes that stirred up a ton of overwhelm, uncertainty, and fear, it kind of feels like we could all do with a little dose of insight and hope right now. And that is where the force of nature that is Krista Jane Smith, or KJ, comes in. KJ has a superpower. She's an intuitive gun. She uses laser-fast intuition, science-based mindset work, trauma resolution, and a little practical magic to find the source of what's holding people back in life and work and clear it. In this episode, we discuss intuition, the subconscious blocks and limiting beliefs that stop us, and how to blast through them. KJ also has one of the most infectious laughs, so this interview is equal parts hilarious and deep and nerdy. I'm Zoe Weldon, and straight from Sydney, Australia, and one of the most wildly intuitive and magic souls, and one of my dear friends. Here's KJ on Didn't See That Coming. Hey, mate. How you going? I'm great. It's so good to see you and play with you, even though you're across the pond on the other side of the planet. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to have you on the show to really kick off 2021. And this is why I'm pumped because 2020 felt like this giant curveball that we got dealt from the universe. And it really stirred up so much change and it pushed and challenged us. And a lot of people really changed course in their lives. They changed jobs, they started new businesses, they had major shifts really in their personal lives. And that can throw up a lot of worry and anxiety. And as we're standing here at the precipice of a new year, and we all know that the struggles of last year didn't just, you know, magically disappear at the stroke of midnight. (laughs) So we're all still really figuring out how to manage those changes. And I feel like this amazing path through that is connecting to our intuition, to really know it and trust it and understand it. And as we kind of gingerly step into 2021, I wanted to get you on the show to help people really better understand things like what blocks us and what holds us back and kind of, you know, how to blast through that. So today we're going to talk all things intuition and 
If there's one thing you are the queen of, this is one of the magic feathers in your cap. And so I'm so excited to talk to you about intuition today. Before we jump in, uh, we need to talk about a little bit of a sneaky yearly tradition that happens in your house. And your amazing photographer husband, David Murray Smith, tall Dave, he likes to completely embarrass you on your birthday. (laughs) Can you share what it is that he does? Oh, there's multiple things that he does to embarrass me (laughs) on the regular, but (laughs) on my birthday, he usually, I don't know how, he's so patient. Let's start with that. He's so patient that when we do go and visit my parents who live like a, you know, 12 hour drive away, he'll just kind of sneak around the house and takes photos of me as a kid. Like not the good ones, like the really embarrassing ones. <laughs> oh yeah, so funny for you, not so funny for me. And he'll I just, love it. He just goes around and just snaps like, you know, the little pictures that your mum has hanging on the wall. And then he'll wait. He, he's waited for years <laughs> to post certain pictures. I'm like, when did you get that? And then post them, you know, for the entire world to see. Has like yeah. 35,000 followers on his Instagram. Just, yeah, pop your photo of you know, have your wife up when she was seven in my roller skates. Oh my God. Thing I wait for every year. I'm like, what is it going to be? And someone even said to me recently, like, where does he get them? I was like, I don't know. I got to find out. How does he find these little magic gems? I think he and my mom have this little side hustle going on. Like, do you want another ugly photo? (laughs) Not ugly. They are the cutest photos. There's one photo that I'm like, next time we go home, I'm just going to burn it. There's a photo of me as a reindeer <laughs> from, <laughs> from when I was about, I think I was actually quite old, which is the most embarrassing part. I think I was about 17 and I was, a, I was a, a dance teacher, right? So I was assisting dance and my little tiny reindeers had no idea what they were doing. So my teachers were like, we're going to get you to be Rudolph and all the little, you'll go on stage with all the little reindeers. And I like prance across the stage in this horrendous brown leotard. It even was like ribbing. I mean, this is the 80s, man. Everything was ribbed. And antlers and everything. This like fully mature 17-year-old curvaceous body just like prancing across the stage with these little reindeers following along behind. Anyway, there's a photo of that that just needs to go up in flames. <laughs> so you're, you're an Aussie and you've got, well, I hear it, but you've got a twinge of a Canadian accent in there, which is probably from having a Canadian husband and living in Whistler for like 10 years? Uh, 13, I think. But I don't know. Some people think I sound Irish. And I think the more I, <laughs> I try to be, if I'm speaking in a way that I'm trying to be understood, then I think it comes out a little bit more. Um, if you put me back home with my brother and my dad, then I definitely sound very Australian. I will <laughs> then it comes out. And most people, like, when most people go to Whistler, they're going to, like, for a season, they're going to go and, like, shred and party. But you just said you were there for 13 years. So how did it start, this path that you're on now? Like, how did it start in Whistler? Well, there's a <laughs> where to begin. How far back do we go? Well, I was actually quite depressed. I wouldn't have called it depressed back then, but I, you know, just kind of was like, I felt like I didn't have a lot of direction and the guy I was dating, who's now my husband, was seeing this counsellor and he was, he was getting so much out of it that I started to see her and 
Well, actually, the very first counsellor, this is before I met Dave, the very first counsellor just told me I was, I had depression and underlying anxiety. And I was like, yeah, but <laughs> I'm also seeing things, which I know a lot of you out there are probably like, alarm bells. <laughs> like, yeah, this is a problem. This is a crazy chick. But what I mean by seeing things is I was seeing energy and I remember sitting down with a friend of mine and being like, um, so your grandfather, and I could hear his name in my head and I'm like, you know, the one that's like your mom's dad that died of the heart attack. I'm like, so he's here <laughs> and he's got a message for you. Like these things were happening to me on the regular, like I was seeing spirits and having these just things really kind of started happening. I would know things and f- sense things like, you know, a friend would sit next to me and, you know, I'd be like, oh my God, what is that? And I'd have a pain in my tooth this one time. And she was like, oh, I just, I just had a root canal. That's funny that you've got a sore tooth. I'm like, I've never had a sore, I had no feelings in my mouth ever. I'm like, okay, that's what that is. So I had this, I guess one of my strongest skills is intuition. But the way I receive it is really like I'm a really strong empath. So I really sense in my body um, and in my feelings what's going on with other people. So now it's a total gift, but (laughs) growing up it was quite the challenge. So when you say growing up, did that start before you got to Whistler then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a kid, I mean, I would have been labeled ADD or ADHD or just pain in the ass basically because I just would be overwhelmed so much of the time and my way to deal with overwhelm was definitely anger and I not hyperactive but I had a lot of energy for sure I think growing up there was there was definitely instances where you know I, I remember telling my parents there's something under my bed I mean everyone thinks there's something under my bed but my dad actually brought it up a couple of years ago he said oh remember when you used to think there was spirits coming in the window and I was like yeah because there was (laughs) now as an adult you know now you know at one stage in my my journey I was doing psychic readings and really developed that skill of mediumship to the point where I could control it where it wasn't just kind of you know something that kind of happened it was more you know I learned what it was and how to kind of more use it on demand and things like that so really when I was in Whistler it of course was all happening before that, but I think the more I started to inquire into my own being, like what's going on with me, how do I really feel? And the more I got aware about that and conscious of that and uh, conscious of a lot of my conditioning and my journey in life, I just, it kind of just got more and more heightened, you know, and it was like, I just got to get getting more and more psychic. And anyway, so that first counselor was just basically like, keep a mood log. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the other stuff? Anyway, so then I met Dave and Dave was seeing this other counselor. I went to see her and she was like, oh no, like you might have some childhood stuff to deal with, but you really got some skills here and you need a mentor. She's like, you're intuitive. You've got gifts. You, you got to learn how to use this. And I was like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> So it was the first time I'd kind of really, I was like, oh, this is what all this overwhelm is. This is what this like, for the first time I could kind of see like, oh, these are my feelings. And then, oh, this is because I'm sensing what's going on around me. 
you know, so I just, I guess I went through this big kind of learning process. Anyway, that counselor was really amazing. She was like, you know what, you need a mentor. Anyway, I was on the bus. It was puking snow. Never forget it. There's so much snow on the ground. And in my head, I just heard get off the bus. I was like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) It's like, there's so much snow on the ground. I do not want to walk through, you know, a foot and a half of snow to get home. And then it was just like, get off the bus. And so I just was like, okay, just was into listening to my myself. Like that was the healing I was doing. It was like really listening to myself. So I got off the bus and then I um, happened to be at this, anyone that's listening that's been to Whistler will know it, Nestor's. And at the bottom of Nestor's, I didn't know that they had actually built some stores underneath the complex. So I was just walking, I walked away that I had never been before and I kind of came around the corner. I was like, oh, what's that shop? And this little new age shop had opened up like three days before and I went in there and the owner was in there and she's actually like just been such an amazing teacher to me in life. And she was in there and I was like, oh my gosh, this store is exactly what I need. It just had all these books about intuition and I said, I want to work for you. And she said, I just so happened, like, I need somebody. I just put it out there that I need somebody. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Anyway, there's a whole other background to that story that I probably shouldn't incriminate myself on the, (laughs) to the world. But anyway, she made it possible for me to work for her. And I devoured every book in that place. And she was an amazing mentor. She really helped me turn what this like natural gift was into something that I could help use to help other people. And so she gave me a framework to use it. And I started doing psychic readings there. And then eventually like I started teaching for her and um, like out of the store and things. And then it just kind of took off from there. And then I ended up, you know, kind of expanding and starting to do my own thing. So yeah, that's just a little part of the journey. (laughs) So it kind of went from like in healing myself, I started to realize my own gifts and then I was doing the readings to help other people. But I just, it got to a point where I just realized these readings, while I had a great following and people were loving it and I was, you know, it was accurate and good telling people who they are and what's going on and what's coming up and um, was able to kind of tune into spirits and things, I just found that it was really disempowering because people would just come back time and time again and ask the same questions. And I was just like, this is stupid. And I got to a point where I was like, if someone asks me when they're going to meet the man of their dreams again, I'm done. At that point, I actually found another woman who I started having some therapy with and her technique was really, really powerful for me. And I realized that so much of why people ask these questions is because they feel disempowered. You know, like why, you know, when am I going to meet the man of my dreams is because I don't feel like I can, you know, like there's a, maybe a sense of self-worth issue or I don't, you know, I don't feel lovable enough or it's not happened before. There's all this trauma from before, you know, probably going back to childhood. Anyway, this technique that this woman was using was so powerful for me in shifting my life. Like it really dramatically shifted my life. I was like, I have to learn how to do this. So that's what I did. I went and learned this technique and then I started to combine it with my intuition. And that's kind of when things really took off. So instead of telling people, oh, this is what's going to happen in your life, it was like, okay, here's the problem. You know, someone comes in like, oh yeah, I really want to meet the man of my dreams or I want to make more money in my business or I want to 
change from corporate to doing my own thing or I've had a trouble getting pregnant or like any whatever it is and instead of being like okay well then this is what's going to happen it was more like okay let's use my intuition to help work out where is the root cause what is really going on here in your mind body and soul that is preventing you from receiving the thing that you really want I just started to combine that technique and I guess that's kind of led me more to where I am today sounds like the journey has been so much about understanding things in the way that heals someone. So they're actually moving things and changing things. And I know what, what you talk a lot about, which I love is you talk a lot about neuroplasticity as well. So I feel like you've pulled all this phenomenal stuff that you've learned about intuition and trusting your gut and listening to what you're, you know, being told and neuroplasticity, which is it's such an interesting shift because it's that sort of science-based information, which is this kind of ability of the brain to form new connections and pathways and change how its circuits are wired. Yes. So, so exciting. So <laughs> it's so cool. So pull that in, like explain that because the neuroplasticity part of what you're talking about, it's almost like if someone thinks intuition and, and they're like, well, I don't have all of those super, I don't have the superpower at the level that you do but you're helping people understand how to use it. Mm. How do they understand the neuroplasticity part of their intuition? I would explain it like this. Like your intuition, everybody has intuition. It's totally innate. It's like, you know, it's a biological impulse. It is within every single one of us. It's our survival. Like that's how we survive. And it's nothing like, (laughs) there's nothing like a life-threatening situation to have us tap back into that root level biological impulse and we'll call it intuition right? So an intuition, all it really is, is knowing beyond reason. We don't have a conscious rational process. We just know. And the coolest thing is like science is really catching up now where we're able to prove that the information is received from the heart before the brain. Like that's, I just, this is my favorite piece of science in the whole wide world is we've always thought that it goes from the brain and then to the body, but it's not. It's actually received from the heart first, then up to the brain. And that's the thing, it kind of incorporates everything. Intuition is like heart-based living, but not from like a just, I love everything. It's I'm so tuned into my innate self and my connectedness with everything that I, I can know beyond what my mind can project. And what my mind can project purely comes from my conditioning, right? It's like, I've got my conditioning, everything I've experienced in my life and what I've made that mean. And then I use that to project into the future of what I think is going to happen based on what I already know. So intuition is like, if we stripped back the conditioning and the projection part, that biological impulse of knowing we would just, we would be in a place of so much more trust and connectedness with everything. We would stop, you know, it's, it's our conditioning that creates our resistance to flowing and to allowing and to thriving puts us more in you know a fearful state when we're not necessarily under threat so in back to the neural plasticity part you know we are who we are like our personality and what we think and what we believe and how in our habits and what makes up ourselves that all comes from the conditioned self 
right? There's, I guess there's like an essence that we come in with, but everything else is just kind of like layers and layers of experience, all kind of compounded to equal a personality and habits. And that's who we are. So neuroplasticity gets really exciting because we can change that. But there is a huge amount of effort required because we have to take our who we are, what is all happening very subconsciously on an automated program. And we have to bring a whole lot of consciousness to it in order to change those pathways and build a new thought and build a new belief and build a new habit and therefore create a different personality, which sends out a different broadcast to the world, which of course, like um, kind of draws back to a different uh, response. It's like kind of like we've got a train that's running a certain set of tracks, right? And it's just happening all the time. Like we don't even think about it. There's like 96 to 98% of brain activity is like um, subconscious, right? So what we've got to do is start to bring consciousness to it in order to go down a different track. Just you've got to, you've got to decide where you want to go, what you want to think, and then you've got to deliberately do it and do it and do it and do it. It's almost like creating a bit of a groove in the brain where those synapses become automated until like we fire over and over wires and then it becomes automated. So the neuroplasticity part is, yes, the brain is changeable, but it it does require a huge amount of repetitive effort to make it do that. We hear so much about like affirmations and, you know, repeating affirmations, but it sounds like what you're talking about is something that's far greater than that. It's not just this kind of magic of like saying an affirmation, it will change. You're saying that there's this like concerted effort Mm -hmm. to make a change. So I know a big thing that you work with, with people and with businesses is around blocks. So if you're trying to work on that pathway, what happens with those blocks? That's such a great question. So, you know, it's like, why, why don't I think in, what, what is even making me think in this way, right? Like what has created this automated pattern? And it just, it's that conditioning piece. You know, why can't, so for business women that I work with, it'll be like, okay, well, why is my business not expanding at the rate that I want it to? Well, what comes up in the body? It's like, okay, I've, I'm feeling stuck. Okay, and then we can ask a series of questions and the mind will literally take us back to the origin of that stuck feeling. And it usually goes back from somewhere from zero to eight. There can be other things along, you know, like you're peeling an onion. So, you know, you may have to go back through some older experiences first, but almost always those root causes are between zero and eight years old, right? And they're experiences that we've had where we felt a feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, and get this, always in trauma is disconnection. It's so fascinating because we've, we've felt in this moment where we've been under, you know, a perceived or a real threat has come in and then we feel disconnected, like we're isolated and we're, you know, don't have, we're not getting our needs met and then a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. And then we end up feeling maybe stuck or we're angry or we're, we're fight, flight, flee, kind of all these responses that get kind of turned on, but then the brain becomes very malleable in that in that process and we we kind of decide something about ourselves or the world during the process which is fascinating and then we just use that to keep ourselves safe we don't ever want to feel that feeling that we had before whether it was shame or embarrassment or disconnection or sadness or whatever the or deep fear we don't want to feel that again so we protect ourselves by making sure we never have to do that and we do that with our beliefs And then we apply it to not just this situation when we happened when we were eight, 
but now we apply it to everything else that go, you know, that we're using moving forward. And it's subconscious. It's just in there. We don't walk around thinking, well, I'm going to make sure let's do the, the dating thing again. I'm going to make sure that no guy ever hurts me like my dad did. Right. We don't go around thinking that we just have that default mechanism. There's a little part of us that maybe doesn't want to put ourselves out there or we feel afraid or, you know, so it's, it's very protective in that way. You know, so what I do in my work is it's all about working out, well, what's really going on? And then going back to that younger you, number one, honoring some emotions, you know, and that's that connectedness that we were talking about with the intuition is like, we get away from that biological impulse, that intuitive connected place, because we have so much emotion that we don't want to feel. It's horrible. I don't like feeling it. I hate it. I hate being, <laughs> I do everything to avoid those feelings. I still do. <laughs> but as we do it, as we work back through and we honor those feelings, we get connected, more connected with ourselves. And then we start to feel empowered, right? We start to own more parts of ourselves that were lost during childhood along the way where we felt helpless and hopeless. So my work is all about going back and kind of taking care of those parts, tending to those emotions, releasing them from the body, and then starting to re-imprint those beliefs into something that is much more aligned with the truth, you know, where it's like, actually, yeah, you had a shitty experience. It happened once, but that doesn't mean that every man is ever going to leave you. You know, in the business circumstance, it's like, it doesn't mean because you were ashamed when you forgot your speech when you were seven, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be humiliated if you put yourself out there on social media, right? But we're using those things to protect ourselves. So what we, what I do in my work is really go back and work with that part, re-imprint those beliefs. And the re-imprinting is the neuroplasticity part. So I always say, I mean, I know there's some people that teach like, you know, you can just change things just by, you know, really focusing on the neuroplasticity and, you know, doing the affirmations and all of that. But I know in working through it myself, like in embodying those old parts is where the power comes back in because you can fake it for so long, but what faking it will do, what convincing yourself that I am lovable or I am safe will do. It's great to be putting that groove in there, but the resistance is always going to come up and it's going to shine a light. It's going to be like, I'm here. This little part doesn't agree with that new thing. And that part can be taken care of. And when it's taken care of, then you come into your power and then things start to flow. It's absolutely mind blowing what happens for people when they take care of those, those kind of like parts that have been in resistance to connectedness. People are like, I don't know what to do. And they take care of that part and they're like, I know exactly what to do. Really? So is that much of a clarity? Oh, unbe- it's unbelievable. People will be like, yeah, you know, they'll come in and they'll like people in a session will be like, okay, what's, what's your intention? Oh, clarity. Okay, well, what do you think right now? I have no fucking idea. Like literally no idea. They are absolutely 100%. I do not know. And then you go back, you work out what's going on, take care of those parts. And then they'll be like, okay, so what do you feel like you need to do now? And they're like, oh, I need to do this. It's like the idea, you know, or business ideas will come to people or I've seen people do anything from meet the man of their dreams and have a baby within the year from not having a partner for like 10 years to people that have blown up. I I mean, just, just the other day, a client was telling me that we were working together for just a couple of months And she was saying that, you know, what she really wanted was to have $50,000 in her business account. And then boom, like a couple of months later, there's 50,000 in her business account. She's gone from not having a business account to having that money in there. 
It's like, what happened? Well, we've been going back and collecting those kind of disempowered parts from childhood and we're really honoring them. We're working out what they think and how they've been working in opposition to us. We take care of them. And then it's like this harmony and connectedness and kind of unbelievable perfection that is the world, like not even the world, the universe is just all happening in in perfect time and space harmony. And the more we can get back in touch with that and stop resisting it, the more everything flows. But the more we get into the fear, the more we disrupt that flow. I guess to sum it all up, back to the intuition part, at the end of the day, it's really very simple. We're so connected on an energetic level. And the more we can get back in touch with that, the more everything starts to flow. And the only thing stopping us being in touch with that is our resistance, is all that childhood shit. (laughs) And is all of that what self-sabotage and limiting beliefs are? Like those are all the onion layers that are on the outside. And once you can peel that away, get to the true, honest core of what's happening for yourself, it sounds like everything just flows to you. 100%. You're not in resistance to it anymore. And all of that, you know, the self-sabotage, the not being able to get to where you want to go, feeling stuck or being in a cycle that is really kind of painful to you, all of that really just roots back to a part of us that really hasn't had our needs met. And the more we can tend to that, the the more things flow. Wow. Because you were saying about like looking at those blocks. What are typical blocks? Because I remember you sharing something with me a long time ago and it was at a time where I just thought everything is screwy inside me. I have no idea and felt like I was completely on my own like this. And you kind of laid out these very traditional, not traditional, but themes of blocks that so many people have. What were those kind of classic blocks that you see that most people have within themselves? Do you mean like as in self-sabotage? I remember you saying things like I'm with the classics. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Yeah. Keep going. (laughs) You're on track. (laughs) But what were they? They were like a couple or maybe they were just those two like very basic ones. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not safe. I'm not supported. I'm unlovable um, and I'm not worthy. Yeah. There are definitely some of the big ones for sure. Yeah. And all of those, you know, all of that, what's underneath all that, how would you get to not thinking that you're lovable or worthy or safe or it's because, because there's a kid inside you that didn't get their needs met in some way, physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. Yeah. And it's no one's fault. This is not a, not a blame game. This is just, oh, wow. Okay. There's a part of me that is not feeling tended to. And now I'm an adult. I've got to put my big kid pants on and start taking care of that part. Ooh, yeah. So easy. So easy in theory. And it sounds so much fun. Oh, yeah. Sounds great. Oh, but it is, you know, it can be because there's, I guess it isn't fun to sit to when you realize you've got some underlying emotion that's been holding up, you know, like your anxiety or why why am I having panic attacks? Oh, it's because actually deep, 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 deep down, there's a really scared kid in me. And, you know, like actually really honoring that part. Speaking from experience, it's, not fun (laughs) to be going through that. But what is fun is when you see shit change, right? When you're like, oh, you know, as I start to own this part of myself, I'm seeing my patterns change and I'm seeing things in my life change from, 
And that's anything from being able to be more open-hearted and connected with my partner to having better sex, to making more money, to enjoying things more, to having a healthier body. When you start to see that they're all related and you start seeing a bit of progress, it gives you a bit of like, okay, fine. I'll I'll give myself that hour of not feeling great to have the... (laughs) have the progress and have the the joy afterwards. With this year, because it has been a year where we've had to pull back all of our distractions, are you finding that people are like, it's getting louder or are they coming to you more? Like what's happening because of 2020? Oh yeah. 2020, like (laughs) 2020 ripped open all of the wounds. All of the wounds are like, ah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, what, what 2020 did is it's been from like, you know, a super woo woo perspective. It has been the most monumental movement of healing that I've experienced in my 40 something years. And I think in many, many years. And the reason for that is so much of our control. How do we avoid our feelings, the the shitty ones? By controlling. We get more productive. We're like, we try and organize more. We get more outward in like blaming and telling people what to do and like get more active. I'll get busier and I'll distract myself with some food or some exercise or some, you know, what like there's a bazillion ways that we are constantly trying to avoid ourselves. You know, there's nothing like a little lockdown to be like, okay, not only can I not go and do the exercise I want, or I can't go and regulate off, this is one of my favorites, regulate off other people. You know, being around other people calms me, makes me feel safe. You know, I know for some people it's the opposite, but for me it's that, oh, take all that away. Oh my gosh, I'm just left with my feelings. Oh my gosh, I can't be so totally busy and distracted all the time. I'm just like, I'm here with myself. People are sitting in a world of not just, the current feelings, but now it's also tripped the wire and triggered so much shit from survival stuff from childhood and everybody's feeling isolated. So we've already got trauma because we're feeling helpless, hopeless, and isolated, disconnected. So we're already like, I mean, the the kick-on effect of this year in the next, for the rest of our lifetime is going to be... Yeah, it feels like we're just at the beginning of that kind of tidal wave. Yeah, yeah. But it's also a great tidal wave. I mean, I know it's horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And I sit in a very privileged position as I say this. I am totally aware of that, that it is still a monumentally, it's just a monumental time for healing. Like this is, this is the time. And I, I think that get the, the most spiritual woo-woo perspective that it's all happening for us, you know, in some really fucked up way. <laughs> it is happening for us to bring about a healing and to bring back, well, to generate a different vibration. And, you know, it just, it, it's kind of muddied the water. It's not because the water wasn't muddy. It's just made the, like everyone's sitting in the mud. And, um, you know, if we could all keep having some courage and rather than trying to avoid what has come up to just be with it and, you know, process some of that, then we will really start to find our power. It is a fascinating thing to think that that could come out of 2020 is that this kind of match of what you said at the very beginning, which was the fact that at the core of what happens for us is that sense of disconnection. And if we can actually be brave enough to look at this stuff more deeply, then we can actually create that connection. But you kind of 
like you said, we got to get through all that muddy water and have all that stuff come up to us. And I think I agree with you in a lot of ways that I agree I am in a privileged position as well. I'm also aware that all of this stuff is really being pulled to the surface so that we can start to really heal and change the direction of what we're doing. Yeah. What a time. And I guess I guess one thing just to say on that, Zoe, is like for people that are feeling really triggered, the best thing you could do for yourself is reach out to someone. You know that the worst thing for a nervous system is to be isolated. Um, so if you're feeling like you can't regulate your own emotions or you can't, you know, you're, you're feeling really unsafe or unsupported, reach out. And whether that's to a friend or a helpline or a professional or just keep reaching until keep asking and reaching out for support um, until you get it, like keep going until you get it. Try different things. Just keep going with that. Because once we have the connection back and we feel that sense of, okay, connected and supported, then the body will start to bring itself out. It will, it, it, the body has the most unbelievably innate sense of healing. It knows how to do this. It will, you'll even like the intuition within you, your biological impulse will lead you. It will show you where to go. But the very first step, if you're feeling, you know, super triggered or you're, you know, things have been really shitty and you're having a huge amount of emotion or feeling mega stuck or something like that is like reach out, get support. Even if it's a friend, you just say like, hey, will you just sit on the phone with me while I you know, do you have capacity to sit on the phone with me while I talk to you about what's going on? Or, you know, call a helpline where people are actually employed or wanting to give their time for that until you actually feel, oh, I have a bit of connection here and there's support because wonderful things will start happening once you feel that way. Mm, I was going to ask you like what those resources are, like what you use as a resource, but resources for other people. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm working constantly on trying to, depending on where you're at, you know, on the, on the shutdown scale is kind of what you might need. So like, you know, for me, I've been really working on trying to resource for my, myself. So kind of working with that younger part of me and the adult me kind of taking care of the younger me. So regulating my own emotions, but you know, this is new. I mean, I've been working on my shit for like 15 years, pretty heavy duty, but you know, for probably even longer than that, but I've only just really realized how important it is for me, the adult, to take care of me, the kid. But before that, it was, you know, reaching out for support. Like I had different mentors from therapists to kinesiologists to my friends. My friends and family really helped me regulate just by having a chat. But yeah, anyone that you can just, you know, that makes you feel safe. That's the most important thing where you can be heard, where you're honored for how you're actually feeling, not you know, that any feeling you have is important, doesn't have to be more important than anyone else's. It's just your feeling. And if you can just honor that or have someone honor it in you, like just witness it, then things will start to change in your body. Yeah. And you, once you get more and more resource, then your brain starts to work better and you're open, you open up to flow and that intuitive connection where there is a part of you that knows where to go and what to do. Yeah. And it will, it will always keep leading you there. If you can get past the emotion, it's that voice is sitting there inside. It's got all the information you need. You just have to start getting back to it. And that work you do is about removing that emotion so that you can get to the core of that to hear that. Totally. And I've never met a person that hasn't got it inside. I've met plenty of people that couldn't hear it, but I've never met a person that doesn't have it. And I've worked with thousands of people. Yeah. Wow. Everyone has it. It's just that we have emotion that is just standing in the way, which is understandable. 
That's such a beautiful message of hope. I think that we all are looking for that little piece of hope as we've, you know, survived 2020 and have so much coming up in front of us. So that's really nice to hear. And I want to ask because you talk about being super connected to your intuition and, and listening to it and hearing it, but you're also human. Is there a time in your life when you didn't listen to your intuition? Oh my God, and yeah. Like, what happened? Can you tell, like, did something happen recently? No, yeah, mm-hmm. which time? All the time. I mean, I think it's a process of kind of like, you know, yes, it's always there. Are we always listening? No. We're going to be constantly having emotions come up and go away and come up and go away. I haven't really ignored it for a long time. Like, you know, on the big stuff. Here's an interesting one. Recently, I wasn't able to hear it because I was so caught up in my emotion. We've been um, very lucky to be trying to buy a house. The first one comes along and and I knew. My husband says, you should go up and check this house out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, so I go up, check this house out. It's not the one. And then I end up in front of another one and I just knew, knew it. I was like, we should get this house. We should get it right now. This market is about to blow up. I called my husband. I was like, mark my words, in a month, this market is going to blow up. We have to get this house right now. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And and lo and behold, four weeks later, it just exploded. That house, we went for, we didn't get it. We did. (laughs) Oh God, there's so much emotion for me still in this. (laughs) Um, We didn't get it. And then the market blew up and that house now would be at least $100,000 more. Like I just, I absolutely knew it. Anyway, so then we went for a second house <laughs> and I was like, yes, we're doing it. We're, and then my mind took over. It was like, there was nothing intuitive about this one. I was like, we're getting it because we didn't get the first one. I was like, in, in my energy, it was like, get out of the way. I'm getting this house. <laughs> I went up there so many times. We took the whole family up there. I planted a crystal underneath the deck. I'm like, this is my house. Anyway, we went to the auction. We lost that house. Oh. I did a little um, prayer, like almost a little witchy magic. I was like intending, I really, that first house, I really, really wanted it. And just as I did that, I was like, okay. And then I had this crazy feeling come over. I was like, yep, okay, it's ours. And then I had this crazy feeling come over me. Oh, wait, maybe this isn't happening because we're being protected. Like it was just like a real quick, instantaneous, like I just, I said it out loud. I was like, maybe we're being protected. And then long story short, we didn't get the house. And turns out that particular house ended up, the guy that was selling it ended up reneging on the contract. It became a huge drama that people couldn't move in. And we were totally like, I was all pissed off about it in my mind because we didn't get the house. But actually in the long run, like I'm so grateful that it didn't happen because it's not the right house. And we ended up somewhere else. And the other thing, the coolest thing was I had intended from the start, I knew which street I wanted to live on. I was very clear about that. And those first two houses were not on that street. So um, we have just the day before Christmas, um, we finally got our house and it's on that street that I initially said that I really wanted to live on. But we really went through a ride. And and during that process, there was times where I felt really connected with my intuition. But to be honest, a lot of the time it was totally head driven. My head just took over and my ego was like, we have to get a house. We have to get it now. The intuition, I knew the market was going to keep blowing up. So my mind was just like, push, 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 get it now. It's only going to keep going up. And I just got really far away from my truth and my knowing. And then after that second house that we didn't win by $1,500, 
energy, I was like energetically throwing up my hands in the air, just like, you know what, I give up. I'm just, we're just going to, we're happy where we are. We're just going to let whatever's meant to happen, happen. If it's not right, then it's not right. And then a house totally dropped into my lap. But, the, but you know, I think it's a process like of hearing your truth and then getting away from it. What I heard in that, which I think is so helpful for people, because some people will be like, how do I know it's my intuition? I have no idea. And the way that you described that story, it sounded like your intuition was like kind of this soft, fast, hmm, just kind of a little knowing, whereas the ego was a bigger voice. No, this is not going to happen. You need this. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's, they are different voices, but they are very hard to distinguish between <laughs> because, because, you know, like the ego is like, it's just got so much emotion behind it. You know, whereas your intuition is kind of like, it's clear, but it's not like, it's not loud, like your fear will be talking to you. So, you know, it's all about getting, being able to strip back your emotion and work out what's the story and then being able to really sit with what's coming up for you. And then you, you can hear it. Let us know, what are you working on this year? Because it's like everything that you're talking about sounds so exciting. We clearly know 2020 was like basically a smoking hot dumpster on fire. And, you know, there's a lot going on for people. So what are you out in the world doing right now? Um, I'm doing a couple of different things. I'm always working one-on-one with people, but I work with a couple of group programs. And those ones are focused on business women and helping them to kind of step into their power more and grow their businesses. And then, and I do that in collaboration with someone else. And then on my own, I'm really excited this year. I've said a big internal yes to being more available and being of greater service. So it's all still dropping in, to be honest. And, you know, if I've learned anything from this stupid house experience, it's like, stop pushing and just let it all come. What I do know right now is I'm going to do a couple of masterclasses, one on intuition, one on stuckness and one on vision. um, And they'll drop throughout the year. And then I can't even say because I don't know, I really have to hear the timing from my higher self rather than my head. But I've had a program kind of forming in my head for a while called Fear to Flow. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm working on that. And I'm really excited to work with people on you know, doing exactly what we talked about really is just like clearing those blocks and really hearing your own truth and reclaiming parts of yourself so you can feel your own sense of power, empowerment, and feel like you're on the track that you're meant to be on. So yeah, so that's what I'm working on. I'm excited. That's amazing. So those, so if someone signs up for your email, they can find out about when that course is because you're actually able to teach people how to move through that stuckness to get to that place of clarity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there'll be, if you go on my website, which is just kristajane.com, there'll be the sign up. You can, if you jump on there, it'll send you a little intuition meditation, but I will definitely keep in touch over the time when those uh, masterclasses are ready. So hopefully, I mean, if my... <laughs> If I'm on track and I've been listening, um, I'm thinking around March will be the first one. Very exciting. So cool. Okay. So let me hit you with just like quick couple questions and then I know we got to roll. So number one, moment that you first felt like an adult. I feel like I have these moments often that I'm like still just becoming an adult. Do all adults do that or is that just like you and me? (laughs) I'm 100% there. I'm like, oh, wait, am I an adult? I feel like I'm waiting for like the name tag that says you are an adult now. I know. Um, But I definitely think walking out of the hospital with my newborn, not actually giving birth to him, but walking out and strapping him into the car seat 
and being like, holy shit, I am responsible for this human being. You know, like while you're still in the hospital, someone's still watching over you, but you walk out of the hospital and you're like, hold up, wait a minute. This little human is now 100% dependent on me. I think that makes me an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Guilty pleasure. Dark chocolate, 100%, yeah. You feeling worry and anxiety rush your body. What is the very first thing you do? (laughs) Call a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, but honestly, it is actually something I'm really working on because it is my default to regulate off my my friends. I have so many beautiful, amazing friends like you that I absolutely call when I'm freaking out, but I'm really working on regulating myself. So I'm trying to break that habit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still here though for all calls, but yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There'll be more. <laughs> Do you have a word for 2021? Is that your jam or not? I look, I'm not big on the one word, but if there was one thing that I am feeling for 2021, it's yes. Yeah. I've had other years where it's been no, (laughs) where it's like, I'm just going to be no to this and no to that because I need some time for myself. But this year feels different to me. I feel really, yes, I feel really, I want to say, or I'm ready like to have full body yes experiences you know where your whole body is this is the right way I'm saying yes to I mean we're moving in a month not even oh my god but saying yes to new opportunity I'm saying yes to new friends I'm saying yes to yeah just what the universe wants me to do so yeah lots of yes thank you so much KJ for like that was so helpful to learn more about your story but more about intuition and that really there is the possibility for freedom, for clarity, for getting out of stuckness and really like being our very fullest, best potential of who we are. Totally. Yeah. It's our time. It's our time. I really, I really believe that for sure. And congratulations on your podcast. You're doing a great job and keep going. I'm excited to keep listening and yeah. (laughs) You are honestly, you're such a force of nature, my dear. I'm not surprised that we like kept getting through this one. So thank you so much. And I'm going to put all the links to how to get in touch with you. I'll put them all in the episode notes so people can find out how to follow you, how to connect with you, your website, all of that stuff. Thank you so much, friend. My pleasure. So great to see you. I love you. I love you too. Have a beautiful day, everybody. You. That's Krista Jane Smith, or KJ, Intuitive Gun and Block Blasting Insight Ninja. Thanks so much for listening to the show and for joining me in exploring the upside of the unexpected to see that life isn't a straight line. And thank goodness, because that is where the magic in life lies. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, and you can find all the links and resources from this episode in the episode notes. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to head over to iTunes to rate and leave a review. Or if there's someone you think would benefit by hearing this episode, be sure to share it with them. If you have any feedback or want to send me a note, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM on Instagram at didn't see that coming underscore underscore. I'm Zoe Weldon and you've been listening to Didn't See That Coming. Keep looking for the magic on the other side of the unexpected. Sorry, internet died there. I know. I'm sorry. Somebody was calling on my phone and it interrupted. Oh my God, they're calling again. Sorry, they're calling again. (laughs) Very persistent. (laughs) Okay, quick, before they call again.